On today's Triangle Sports Take, it's our first episode of 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I'm in studio, got Cody and Mitchell on the phone. Got a little bit of stuff to talk about. I'm going to, of course, talk some college basketball. The season is uh, probably about halfway over at this point now. Uh, So we will definitely dive into that a little bit. Our teams have played quite a few games lately. Uh, But first, we're going to, I guess, just touch on the college football playoff a little bit. College football season came to an end. I don't have a ton to say on it other than that was uh, definitely the best semifinals ever with Michigan and TCU and then the crazy Ohio State-Georgia game and then probably the, as far as margin of victory, worst championship ever with Georgia absolutely steamrolling TCU. Uh, So congrats to the dogs. Congrats to... uh, our longtime loyal fan, Zach Moran, I know he's happy his team won back-to-back national titles. Uh, but I'll, if you guys have anything you want to say, I'll let you go ahead. I just have like a couple quick things to touch on with that, not a whole lot. Yeah, so I guess a few things that I, I was kind of thinking about um, we could discuss as far as college football playoff goes. Um, first of all, what a heck of a game that first one was between Georgia and Ohio State. That was um, That was much better than the national championship, and we kind of... At least I kind of thought whoever won that game was going to win. Sure enough, sure enough, they did. Um, Georgia kind of squeaked it out, but it was a great game on New Year's. I had a lot of fun watching that one. But one thing that I, I was kind of thinking about really is: does this kind of does this this blowout championship make you guys think? You know, is the eighteen playoff going to come back into the picture again? Is it blowouts like this that? make the committee can question whether we should have more than four teams in it. Yeah, I don't know that this uh, necessarily pushes the needle, but I think uh, everybody kind of recognizes there's probably a need for more than four teams because I always feel like there's snubs that everybody says should have made it over somebody. Granted, as soon as you get to eight teams, then the ninth and tenth and eleventh and twelfth will be the same way. But you know, I think you know, getting to eight teams, you're more guaranteeing that you're going to get the eight best teams in the country and have a much better chance out of those eight, the four best teams in the country actually being in there. Yeah, I know. I think they mentioned recently they're eventually going to go to either 8 or 12. I can't remember which one it was, like within the next few years or so. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the championship game might push them towards that. It sounds like they're going to do it already anyways. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think some people were frustrated that the that's what happened with the championship. I mean, 65-7, to 7, I think it was, just unheard of. So it could push it towards that a little bit, I think. The way I see it or the way I look at it is – did TCU deserve to be there? Absolutely, I think they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a great record. They played their way all the way to the championship. But played well. But at the same time, I look at it and I think, okay, well, would would Bama put up a better fight than TCU would? And the answer in my mind is definitely yes. Yeah. And I think that's probably the issue. It's like with with um, with more teams, you have a better chance of the last last game being more competitive and I just I feel like in recent in recent years we've had at least here and there we've had blowout championships which is kind of unfortunate and hopefully that'll fix that yeah it could and it's interesting you mentioned Bama giving them a, a, 
a tougher game. Like, yeah, I saw people arguing like, oh, should Alabama be in it? Should TCU be in it? Would Alabama give them a better game? And, and I think the answer is yes. I think Alabama would have given them a better game, but TCU earned the right to be there. Like they, yeah. as you said, they earned their way to be there. I do agree. Bama would have given them a better game, but you can't just you know put them in the championship just because of that. So I think they earned their way there, and it just uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a a weird championship game with it being that lopsided. Um, the only other thing I really wanted to say about the playoffs was I I don't remember the exact situation in the Georgia Ohio State game, but I know it was like maybe middle of the fourth quarter. Ohio State had the ball and they were up. I think. Maybe it was 10, maybe it was 7, but they went for a – or they are about to go for a fake punt on like 4th and 2 or something like that, and they would have converted it, but Kirby Smart called a timeout right before that happened. I don't know if you guys remember that moment. Uh, but yeah. I, and honestly, in my opinion, that might be the most clutch timeout I've ever seen a coach call because that completely changed the game. If Ohio State picks up that first down there, they win that game. I'm, I'm sure they win that game unless something crazy happens, and then – yeah, you know you have a complete different national champion. Uh, so that's one thing I wanted to point out was that had to be the most clutch timeout I've ever seen a coach call uh, when Kirby Smart called that timeout in that semifinal game. I agree. I didn't when I was watching it. I didn't think about it that way, and I heard the announcers talking about it afterwards. But you're right. It's like if they they end up getting that conversion, then the game's completely different because Georgia's probably gonna run out of time and not be able to score. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to bounce back to the whether or not Alabama would put up a better fight than TCU. I feel like it's so easy when you get through a blowout championship game like that. You know, like, well, who would have done better? Who would have done worse? And uh, I think we forget that sometimes, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. There's every chance in the world that was the worst game TCU played all year and the best game Georgia played all year. And if you played them 50 times over, you would not have had another game where Georgia blew out TCU quite like that. Yeah, I would agree. Only maybe it was just, you know, that huge discrepancy. But I feel like at the end of the day, TCU, just like you said, Carson, you know, they've earned the right to be there. And that's because they've won big games and played good teams all the way through and uh, you know they beat Michigan and Michigan had blown out Ohio State by 30 points so I mean I think it really a lot of it comes down to just you know when are you playing your game a couple things go wrong early and then you never get your momentum after that Georgia plays the game of their lives I don't know just on it. Yeah, and that's the thing about championships. It always seems like if one team, you know, starts to figure it out at the beginning of the game and really starts off well, it's it's more difficult for a team to come back, I feel like, in a big game like that than it is in the regular season. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick questions with Carson here. Uh, I, have a, I think I have a pretty interesting one today, and I'm actually – me and Mitchell can both chime in on our opinion on this question, but I'm specifically asking this to Cody because I think he's the only one that can be uh, unbiased on this one. But my question today is basically comparing uh, two, two families, two groups of siblings that we've seen play 
uh, one at Duke, one at Carolina, and I'm referring to the Plumley family and the May family. So just to give um, kind of some background to people who may not know who these people are as much. So in Mitchell, I, I think I've got this right. So the Plumleys, isn't it Miles, then Mason, then Marshall in order of age? Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So uh, at Duke, Miles, Mason, and Marshall Plumley all played basketball for Duke. Uh, Mason, or the two oldest, which would be Miles and Mason, won a national championship together. Marshall Plumley also won a national championship a few years after that in 2015. The three of them all played at Duke, all under Coach K. They also have a younger sister who people probably don't really know about, Maddie Plumley, who played volleyball for Notre Dame. Uh, so she was Division One athlete also. So that's four siblings, four Division One athletes, two different sports between the four of them, three three combined national championships. Um, and then you have the May family. Uh, the majority of them played for Carolina. So for them, we have Luke May, who played basketball for Carolina. The next oldest brother is Cole May, who actually played baseball for Florida. Uh, Luke May won a national championship with Carolina. Pretty much everyone knows who he is. Cole May won a national championship in baseball for Florida. And then we also have uh, the next oldest brother is Bo May, who's currently on the basketball team at Carolina. Not really playing a whole lot this year, but he's on the team. Uh, and then, of course, the youngest is Drake May, who, um, as we all know, ACC Freshman of the Year, college football this year for Carolina. So between the May brothers, you have um, four siblings there, three different Division I sports being played. Two of them are national champions. The two that aren't are still in college. So basically, now that I've set that up, my question to you, Cody, is this. Who do you think is more impressive, the, the Plumley siblings or the May siblings? Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> I said the Mays. Okay, the Mays family. Any, any reasoning behind that? Yeah, they all play different sports. The Plumleys are all just tall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you could have something there. Yeah, um, the Mays, they're a well-rounded group of folks. The Plumleys, the, the girl spikes the volleyball and the, all three boys dunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, again, it's going to be hard for me and Mitchell to both be unbiased. Like, I, I would say the, the Mays, but... I'm sure Mitchell would say the Plumleys. I mean, I guess you can say the Plumleys have one more national championship, but the Mays are a little more well-rounded with different sports they play. Plus, you still got two of them still in college, so who knows uh, what they'll end up doing. Um, that, that's kind of the way I've looked at it. Mitchell, I don't know if you have anything you want to chime in with. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the only thing, really, is that they all have, all the brothers have won a national championship. I mean, I know that I know Mason still plays plays for the Hornets in the NBA. Um, I'm not really sure to tell you the truth about Miles. I know he was kind of in and out, and the same with Marshall because I know he was supposed to like go to the military, but then he decided to try to play in the NBA. And I think he played for the Clippers for a while, but I can't even tell you if he's still there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and I thought that was an interesting question. I, I've heard someone kind of compare the two families um recently which makes sense i mean there's four division one athletes multiple national championships one per family it, it'd be very hard to find another family like either of those 
Okay, so we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit of college basketball. We haven't had a big chance to do that yet this season, and we're already in the middle of January. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about each of our teams, some of the games that happened, some of the games coming up. As far as it goes with Carolina, uh, I would say so far this season has been a little more disappointing than we anticipated. I mean, they of course started the year at preseason number one, which I'm never a huge fan of because I feel like teams that start there uh, never really finish there, and usually they don't do quite as good as their expectations are. At this point, um, I think Carolina might have six losses, I'm pretty sure, and they're kind of like middle of the pack in the ACC. Definitely not living up to their expectations. I, I know I've said that this season has been a little bit disappointing so far. I still think this team has the ability to put it together and, you know, perform like a top 10 kind of team and make another run to the final four in March. Like I still think they can do that. They just haven't shown it so far. Um, they, they've had some good games, had some bad games. I mean, one, one good game I'll point out is that Ohio state game a few weeks ago, uh, shout out to Pete Nance. He's had the biggest shot of the year with make, making that game tying shot in the final second to send it to overtime. Uh, it's probably the biggest win of the year to this point. And then, you know, they've kind of gotten into ACC play, lost on the road at Pitt, which Pittsburgh actually seems like they're pretty, pretty tough this year. Uh, you know, they won a home game against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a decent squad this year, too. And then uh, they did lose on the road at Virginia, which uh, Charlottesville apparently is just a house of horrors for Carolina. Horrors. Um, they just can't seem to win there. I think they said they've lost seven or eight times in a row now. Uh, that being said, I think if Baycott is healthy in that game and Nance is healthy, we do win that game. Uh, but unfortunately, they were not, so we ended up taking the L there. But it's... I feel like everyone's kind of still waiting for this team to wake up and be themselves. We've seen flashes of it, but they haven't been able to like consistently put that together. Um, I think Baycott's probably been the best, most consistent player on the team, but I think R.J. Davis is uh, probably the most underrated player. He's really kept the team together, and I feel like after Baycott, he's the next best player, just barely behind him. Uh, and then, you know, you have Caleb Love hasn't done quite as great as we were thinking this year. Um, and, you know, it's funny because last year after Caleb Love hit the shot against Duke, the biggest shot in Duke Carolina history, I remember saying to myself, you know what? I will never say a bad thing about Caleb Love again solely because he made that shot. Uh, one of the biggest shots in Carolina history. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Caleb Love. But if I was going to say something bad, I would say... He needs to take a few less shots and not be quite as crazy uh, dribbling the basketball and turning it over. I think if he can do that, this team will be a whole lot better. Um, and then, you know, of course, getting healthy is going to be huge. Nance has missed the last few games, so if he can get healthy, that would help a lot. Uh, like what I've seen out of Seth Trimble, freshman, Jalen Washington, another freshman. Uh, Leaky Black's been pretty solid this year as a fifth-year senior, but... To sum it up, not, not as good as we were hoping so far, but I still think this team can get playing pretty good and kind of turn things around. Um, got a, a game coming up against NC State, which I'll, I'll talk about that a few minutes later after I let you guys talk. Um, I know I know Duke and NC State played each other a few weeks ago. I'm sure Cody's more eager to talk about that than Mitchell is dependent or because of what happened during that game. So, yeah, State, they've, uh, they've turned it up a notch. You know, they kind of went through a – a little bit of a 
tough segment where I was like, I was back on the Keats out train. Um, of course, every time I jump on that train, something happens to change my mind. Um, but we went through a tough stretch in December where we lost five. We lost to Pitt, lost to Miami, and uh, lost to Clemson. And I was like, hmm, this is not looking good. Because none of them were super, super close games, all between seven and eight points. We were competitive, but we weren't really, you know, one possession away in any of them. And uh, at that point, I was like, yep, this is going to be another bum season. And since then, we've uh, beaten Duke, Virginia Tech, and Miami all back-to-back-to-back. So, it's definitely turned up. Turkavion Smith has been good. Um, You know, we've kind of had some other players step up when we didn't necessarily expect them to. Um, The Darkell Joyner kid has been good. The uh, the Casey Morseau kid has been pretty good. And then, I think his name is Ernest Ross. Uh, I don't think he's even really played much, but he stepped up and had a huge game against um, against Miami. So, you know, guys are stepping up where we need them to. I'm not getting too, too excited yet, but. We're in a pretty good position. We've got a couple wins against ranked teams. Everybody seems to be playing hard, putting in a lot of effort. So we'll take it for right now. Yeah, I'll take it away for a couple minutes. Um, I mean, I think starting the year this season off, um, as a Duke fan, it was kind of bittersweet to see Coach K go. I mean, I'm 26 years old, so he's the only Duke basketball coach I've ever known. So kind of kind of feel some type of way to not have him on the sidelines and it kind of shows within the team um so we kind of knew that this year might be difficult had a lot of recruits coming in but there we never we, we knew there were no Zion Williams you know Marvin Bagley's that were just going to dominate every game that they played in it was kind of just a bunch of you know I mean good recruits but no great players that could just take over a game and we kind of knew that going into the season but I mean the seasons, you know, started off well as most seasons do because the teams you play just aren't up to the same caliber as most ACC teams. So you always have a good good start, pretty much. But I mean, one thing I've noticed about this team, or a couple things that they've got to fix, is they they can't turn the ball over so much. Um, and I'm going to touch on the state game in a second, but the main reason that Duke lost that game is because of the turnovers were just ridiculous. And most of the games that Duke has lost have been because they've turned the ball over way too much. Um, that, coupled with the fact that their offense just isn't fluid enough, they don't have – I mean, they have Kyle Filipowski is a great player, but he's not like the guy you can just get the ball to every time and he's going to produce you a basket like Zion did or even some of the other Duke guys recently. I mentioned Marvin Bagley, but guys like that, we just don't have a guy like that on this team. The offense has to flow a little bit better, and it's going to take some time. For Shire to iron that out. But moving over to the state game, um, I think this game was probably the worst game in terms of the worst game I've ever seen a Duke basketball team play. 
Um, I was ready to turn the game off at, in about 10 minutes into the game. I think I made it till halftime before I did. But the problem is when you start a game 18-2, to two, you can't expect to win the game. I mean, the game's practically already over when there's seven minutes into the game and it's 18-2. to two. Um, Turnovers, bad shot selections, not making shots. I mean, it's the classic Duke trip to PNC where they always lose. I mean, every Duke fan will tell you. And I, in the past, I've, I usually go to the Duke games in PNC just because it's easier to get tickets. I didn't go to this one. But it's just the same. It's the classic thing that happens every time or almost every time Duke goes to PNC. State always turns up, and for some reason, Duke always turns down, or so it seems. Um, but one thing that I'll say, and I hate to say this, but 100%, if Coach Gay's on that sideline, he does not let those guys get down 18-2 to two and not bless them out. And I was looking over there on the sideline at Shire, and I just didn't see the same kind of fire that Coach K used to coach with. And it's it's sad to say that, but I know if if he was on the side, and I'm not saying that Duke wouldn't have still lost, but they wouldn't have been playing the same way that those guys have been playing out there on the court the rest of the game. That is 100% for sure. Um, and who knows? I'm assuming Shire is probably going to figure it out, but his inexperience showed a little bit in that game to let something like that happen and not – grab a hold of the guys and light a fire under the tail. Um, <laughs> but moving on from that game, I think, I mean, I think that the good, the good news about this team is there's not very many guys on this team that are going to go pro. I mean, Filipowski may be the only one, um, even if he does. So, I mean, this is going to be a, it's going to be, honestly, it's kind of, kind of be a nice refresher to have some get like some, I mean, two-year guys aren't veteran guys, but have some returners on the team next year that actually know what they're doing because the two teams in the past, that's kind of been the Achilles heel as they get down the stretch in the tournament. It's just the experience goes to bite them because they just don't have it. So that's the, that's the I guess, the positive outlook. Um, and, I mean, Coach when Coach K first started Duke, it took him about three seasons to figure it out. I don't even think he had a winning record his first season. Um, so all that to say, Shire's got time to figure it out, and I think – I think he will, but he's got to develop his own style and he's got to take control of the team when they're not playing well. Okay. You you kind of already answered this, but I'll ask it anyways. Do you Is there even a tiny part of you that's like a little bit worried about Shire or do you just think, you know, hey, it's first-year coach, he's going to have bump in the, bumps in the road? Um, I don't think I'm worried about him because I think, I mean, I know that recruiting is not the only thing that makes a – makes a basketball team but I mean the guys that he's getting in are I mean they're they're all top guys in the country and I think when you're bringing in good roots you're going to have a good team and I know that he's going to continue to do that it's just I think it's going to just take a while because you have to develop your own your own style in coaching and I think with him never being a head coach before it's hard because you he's kind of figuring out his style while he's on the sidelines coaching the team, as opposed to, you know, a guy where you started a small school and kind of go up. Um, but I guess the, the advantage to him is that he was coaching behind arguably the best coach, college coach of all time. So he's got a lot of a lot of memories and things he can take from that, but he's got to implement it. I wouldn't say I'm, but to answer your question, I don't think I'm worried, but I just think that it's going to take time and 
he's got to figure out how to develop his own style on the sidelines. Okay, yeah. And it's funny because I remember kind of thinking some of the same things this year or last year at this time when, you know, Hubert's first season and everything, which, you know, the jury is still out on Hubert on kind of how long he'll coach and how good he'll be. But, uh, you know, people will think of his first season as being really good because of how far they went. But, you know, they struggled for the majority of the season before kind of getting things figured out. And there are people who were kind of wondering about him a little bit. But, yeah, a lot of times I think first-year head coaches just have a lot of stuff go wrong before they kind of get things going right. Um, so that, that makes sense. Well, one thing I did want to talk about kind of before we start wrapping it up here is uh, I don't know if you guys saw any of the quotes or not. Like I, I will first of all say NC State basketball is doing better than I thought they would this year. They, their past three wins have been really impressive. I think Cody mentioned, I think it was Duke, Virginia Tech, and Miami. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw any of their comments in the locker room after the Miami game. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Drake May's comments a few months ago, how he kind of talked some crap about State. I think maybe it was Terquavian Smith who said something along the lines of like, yeah, you don't have to go to a blue school in this state to be good. Like they just think they're better than us or something along those lines. And then I think it was another player who said something about, yeah, we're coming for the natty. So I don't know if you guys heard those quotes at all and had any uh, comments on that. I actually didn't hear those quotes. I saw some stuff about it on Twitter. But I didn't actually see what anybody said. I just saw comments of people that responded to the quotes, but I didn't actually see the quotes. And I think that's kind of, I think it's kind of, kind of funny, really. Um, I mean, I mean, really though, whatever those guys have to use to to motivate them, I mean, more power to them. Uh, so I think we lost Cody. Uh, maybe his connection's bad or something. Not really sure, but. Uh, regarding those comments, I I also thought it was kind of funny, and I think they're getting a little ahead of themselves. You know, now that they finally won a few games, and I do think it's uh, it's pretty bold of Smith. I think it was him who made those comments to say that the week before they're about to play Carolina. I think it'll make the uh, Carolina NC State game come up in a few days a little bit more interesting. But um, that's really all I had for this episode. So I hope everyone. Enjoyed it. Hope you guys keep listening and hope you guys have a great 2023.